Hey, welcome to the Husker Cuscast Sports Show, the official podcast of HuskerHype.com. Justin here, along with Derek. It's just us tonight. Tyler's out this week, but we still have a fun show planned. Are you ready for this, Derek? Oh, yeah, always. All right, Derek, here's a little bit of trivia for you. Uh, This is our 79th episode. Which cousin has recorded the most episodes? Derek. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, you've been in all 79. I've sat out 178. Tyler's way back, but I'll be out next week, so uh, I'll, I'll fall two. Again. Yeah, I'll, I'll be uh, fall two back out of that lead, but that's all right. It's pretty hard to record without me, considering I'm the recorder. So yeah, you you know you're needed. That's job security right there for you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's let's talk about some Nebraska ball here. Well, let's uh, do it. Yeah, the regular season's come to an end now. Uh, we finished the regular season at 22-9, and 13-5 and in uh, Big Ten play, which is fourth. Uh, so most regular seasons, season wins since what year, Derek? Since 2013, 2014 season. Oh, no, you're, you're way off. It's uh, the 90-91 season. Oh. We went 24-6. and six. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. Okay. I, I, I guess I misunderstood what your question was. I'm sorry. Ah, that, that was okay. Uh, 90, 91. That's how far back you got to go to get that many regular season wins. Yes. Uh, that's, a long, that's a long time. They, uh, they finished the uh, year at 26 and 8 that year after the tournament's play, but that was a good year. I think we got what it takes to hopefully get close to that, right? God, I hope so. We're gonna need something. I, you know, I will. We'll get into the, the the chances of the tournament here in a little bit. But oh, every time Nebraska's hit twenty wins, we've made the tournament. Well, we will see here in a second. But uh, uh, go ahead and talk about the Big Ten honors. All right, so. Uh, Isaac Copeland, that one kind of surprised me a little bit. He got honorable mention from both the coaches and the media. And I I thought he was a little bit better than just honorable mention, but he, he had some inconsistent games, so I guess I kind of get it. Uh, James Palmer, Palmer Jr., he was first team by the coaches and second team by the media. Uh we didn't have any players on the all-defensive team, which surprised me just a little bit. I don't know about you, but that really surprised me. And the coach of the year kind of surprised me a little bit. I really kind of thought maybe Tim Miles deserved at least a little bit. Maybe he got some votes. I don't know. But uh, Chris Holtman from uh, Ohio State actually won the coach of the year. And I, it's hard to argue him, too. I mean, they were supposed to be in a down year, and what they did was nothing short of amazing as well. So congratulations oh, yeah. to all the – players and on every team and let's move forward i guess i am curious to see if uh now that you say that if tim miles like if he finished second in voting i wonder if there's a way to find that out but he, he's got to be up there winning 22 wins at nebraska it's pretty darn good it's one of the best seasons we've had all time and i think you have especially considering you have 13 total conference wins which has never been done at nebraska yeah yeah, and, that's and, true. I mean, 
It's hard. It's hard to imagine because didn't he win Coach of the Year when he went and made the tournament last? It was a 2013-14 season or whatever year that was. Yeah, I think he, he won the Coach of the Year that year, and I thought this was a way better year than that year overall. Well, let's get into tournament tournament expectations here. We play at one twenty five on Friday. We are the four seed. Uh, we need to play uh, Michigan, I think. Uh, and set up that chance to play Michigan State just because we need some big wins here. Uh, you know, I don't know what it's going to do if, you know, if uh, Michigan is upset and we don't get to play Michigan there in the quarterfinals. That's going to hurt because we definitely need uh, another big name. What do you think? Well, it, it, it's so funny because it all depends on who, you, who, who you're reading from because, like, Andy Katz, who has been, you know, he's been doing this NCAA crap since like 1986. He's been covering the Final Four since like 1992. I mean, the guy's been around for quite a while. And he's predicting Nebraska make the tournament. And his only thing for the Huskers, this was written, written, uh, I believe, right before the the Penn State game. And he, he says that Nebraska needs to beat Penn State, which they did. And possibly win win one more quality team in New York, so he's not even necessarily saying they have to win another one in the tournament to make the turn to make the big dance, where everybody else just has us on like the last four out. Well, I don't know about everyone else, but there's a lot of them out there that do. So you're you're probably right. We probably need to face Michigan and beat Michigan for any shot in hell, but. Maybe it's just better to go to the damn NIT and have a one seed and have a chance to actually do something. I don't know. Hey, more basketball out there. Get more uh, wins underneath the belt, I guess. But, you know, this year the NCAA, they went to this quad system. Everyone's hearing about the quad one wins and quad two wins. And I, through most of the season, I had no idea what the hell they were talking about with these quad one and quad two wins. So, uh, I kind of I had to look it up to find out what exactly this means. And so, quad system explained here. Quadrant one. Uh, to be a quadrant one team, you play a team that is ranked one to thirty in the RPI at home. On a neutral field, it's one to fifty, and away one to seventy-five. Uh, so I guess this is a way to. Uh, it gives respect towards road wins. You know, if you uh, go on the road and face an RPI 74 team, that's given the same uh, justice, I guess, as playing a 29 RPI team at home. I mean, they're, they're in the same quadrant. So they got the quadrant one, two, three, and four. Uh, I'm not going to get into all of them. Maybe we'll tweet it out, the better explanation of what these RPIs are. But it is so far... Uh, removed from what we used to know in the past. You know, the committee, they would always be looking at your top 25 RPI wins, top 50 RPI wins. And it didn't really matter if it was home or away. They were weighted the same. I kind of like where they're going with this quadrant one because it is weighted to, because it is hard to go on the road and, uh, and win. You see upsets all the time. Top teams are always upset when they go on the road, especially in conference play. So what do you think about this quadrant system that they're using? For the most part, I agree with you. And it it, it is a new system that everybody's going to take some time to get used to, I guess. 
kind of like when they brought the BCS into football. You know, it takes a little time just to get used to it and understand how it's working. But right now, I'm not so sure it's working the greatest with everybody locking Oklahoma in, and that just blows me away. And there's a lot of them that have Texas ahead of us. And I understand they have some bigger wins, but they have way more losses than we do. And I think overall records should still count for what you do. Well, you know, let's uh, get into the quadrant wins for Nebraska. Against Group 1 competition, we're 1-5, uh, to include 0-4 oh away. Uh, group 2 competition, we're 2-3. and three. Uh, Group 3, when it gets into, you're looking at teams that they're not very they're not great teams, uh, but we're eight and one. And the group four, which is the worst of the worst, we're eleven zero. All of our wins, nineteen of those wins have been chalked up to group three and four wins, uh, quadrant three and four uh, teams. So we don't have a lot of good wins at the end of the day. And I don't. This is probably a terrible comparison because that's what I do. I make terrible comparisons and analogies but if you look at wisconsin last year uh in football uh, wisconsin they weren't getting any credibility whatsoever because they played a cupcake schedule never mind the fact that they went undefeated right they played every game that they played they won you know they can't do anything about their schedule that to that effect the same can be true to nebraska other than the fact that in the big games, we lost. Sure, we racked up a lot of wins, but in the games that really mattered at the end of the day, they didn't get it done. I think you're talking a little apples and oranges here, though, because, I mean, you're talking about a playoff system where you're only getting four teams in compared to a playoff system where you're getting 68 teams in, for one. For, sure. two, for two, you're playing way more games in basketball and you are football. So... you. I don't know. I just, I still think it's wrong. I think if you're winning 22 games in a Power Five conference, especially the Big Ten, and I understand the Big Ten's not quite where it was maybe last year or the year before, but it's still a good conference, and and, and most of those teams can beat you on a, on any given day. Uh, when you were naming the teams, like I heard you say Oklahoma and Texas, uh, I don't, I don't know if you said Baylor or not, but I you know didn't Baylor. Say Baylor. Okay, no, but I, Baylor, I know they, they were one of them too. But yeah, they have wins against Kansas and Texas Tech. Sure, we we fell short. You know, we were this close from upsetting Kansas, but we didn't. We we can't claim that win. Baylor did it against two top ten teams, True. and so that gives them a little bit more credibility, I think, in the resume for the tournament in that regards. I guess. True. True, but Texas is also getting credit for beating Oklahoma twice. And I'm not so sure Oklahoma should be that high of a quadrant at this point, as bad as they played the last three weeks. True. You know, God, you're an Oklahoma hater, aren't you? Oh, I hate Oklahoma. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I want to swing it back to the Big Ten tournament here because Bovada, they released their tournament odds for the Big Ten tournament. And uh, it's a little shocking here. Uh, we're number four seed. What would you think that Nebraska would rank in uh, chances to win the Big Ten? Probably five hundred to one. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just I'm just rank out of the Big Ten out of out of all fourteen teams. What place? Probably five hundred to one. 
<laughs> well, uh, we're in sixth place. Uh, the sixth favorite team, I guess. We're behind Penn State. Penn State has better odds to win the Big Ten Ooh, we title. We just than- got done beaten. Yeah. It just blows me away. Nebraska cannot get any respect whatsoever, and that blows me away. It kind of looks like Bavada has it like three little tiers here. They got Michigan State and Purdue on one tier. They got Michigan and Ohio State at plus 600 and plus 800. And then you get down to Penn State at plus 1600. And then Nebraska at plus two, uh, 2000. And then you have everybody else. But I just thought it was shocking that uh, I, I figured we'd have uh, the fifth overall best chance to win the Big Ten, but now Penn State, that's that did shock me. I, it doesn't shock me. Anytime Vegas is hating on Nebraska, it doesn't really shock me too much anymore. Yeah, well, there's always that. Uh, let's talk about uh, something else here, the NCAA scandal. That's been big news this oh. week, and that's going to that's gonna weigh heavy on the tournament. Uh, so, Yahoo Sports, they published some documents from the FBI's investigation into corruption with college basketball, and uh, it implicated players from more than 20 top programs. I'm not going to name them all, but it's teams like Duke, Kentucky, Texas, North Carolina, Michigan State. Uh, there's even a guy in Creighton. You know, It's uh, current players and former players. And it all goes back to this former NBA agent, Andy Miller, and his assistant, Christian Dawkins, with their agency, ASM Sports. They never scouted me. Uh, Wonder but, why. <laughs> true. But, uh, you know, there was payments made, or loans as they call them, you know, loans and bad loans made towards uh, players. And it, it could run anywhere from like 70 bucks to a couple hundred in the thousands, several thousands. It was unreal the uh, amount of money that they were loaning people with given that chance to uh, to sign with them. And this FBI investigation, it's it's this is just the tip of the iceberg because this was three hundred thirty day uh, three hundred thirty day investigation. There's going to be a lot more coming out, uh, but. So what you're saying is we could have a lot of conversations on that. Oh, this, 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 yeah, this could carry on. So this could actually be its own podcast here. But uh, I want to talk about the, like the most interesting thing, and that's your buddy at Arizona. Oh, I, how does this guy? I did. He must have the best agent in the world. I don't know. Sean Miller actually has it in his contract that if they fire him with just cause, he gets five million dollars more. Than he would if he didn't if they didn't have just cause to fire him. How do you get that contract? How do you get any university to even offer you that contract? I have no idea. Unless but, maybe you're a Coach K or I, I don't know. Like how, I, honestly, how do you get that contract? You got to be one of the best damn coaches out there to even have anybody think about get offering you that. So I don't know if there's just cause. You know, just saying. Uh, but he was caught on wiretap trying to uh, uh, coordinate a direct payment of $100,000 to secure a fresh, this uh, freshman, DeAndre Ayton, his name. Who's averaging like, set, like almost 19 points a game right now. Yeah. But he was caught on wiretap talking to that Christian Dawkins of ASM Sports. 
$100,000. Was it Christian Dawkins? I thought he was talking to one of the Adidas guys. Uh, Anyway, yeah, he was caught on wiretap offering money. Either way, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I don't understand how that works, but so. One of the other schools that I I didn't hear you mention, I know you didn't want to mention them all, but the one that really threw me for surprise, there was two of them that kind of threw me for surprise. Wichita State and Seton Hall were two of them that really threw me just out there. I'm like, really? Those two schools? Especially Wichita State because I guess that Midwestern, I've always kind of rooted for Wichita State in a tournament. The Shockers. The Shockers, baby. <laughs> hey, they, they how, how do you team. not root for them, though? You know, I mean, if Nebraska's not in, unless Nebraska's playing, we got to kind of root for Wichita State, right? What, are you going to go for Creighton? <laughs> well, no. I'm no, I'm no <laughs> damn Jasker. <laughs> yeah. The, this whole scandal, it's going to get really interesting, especially when we get to the tournament and... I'm really curious to see some of these former players, or not former players, I'm sorry, but some of these current players that are on some of these big teams, what the NCAA, what, what are they going to do? Are they going to take action during the tournament, or are they going to sit on their thumbs and like have you know, come to a conclusion after the season's over? Oh, I, I think, you, you, know, you already know the answer to that. They are going There's, to wait till after the tournament, and then they will come to their conclusions, and then they will make the teams vacate the wins. So basically, Nebraska is going to get completely shafted out of the tournament for six teams that are probably going to be eliminated because they're they're even if they win, it ain't going to count anyway. So Nebraska is basically going to go to the NIT for shits and giggles, I guess, because there's at least there's at least four or five teams that are listed in these in this documents that have been guilty of this stuff that probably shouldn't even be able to go to the tournament and they're in, but they're good teams. So they're going to go. Yeah. It's, it's going to be really interesting here coming out because you know, more stuff is going to come out. I'm just waiting for when some of this investigation comes and dips into the football. That's what I'm afraid of. I, I guess the, the one thing, the one thing you have to kind of stick up for the NCAA, I guess to an extent is what kind of tournament would it be to watch if Duke, Arizona and Wichita State, Kansas. <laughs> if all these schools are out of the tournament, are you going to be really wanting to watch it that bad? Like, what kind of well, ratings are you going to get with all the top teams out of it? I think you're the one of the very few people in the country right now that's uh, defending the NCAA. Some of the NCAA hate that is coming out of this whole investigation Agents and coaches paying players. But that's, that's, that's the whole thing to me, I guess. It's agents and coaches doing this. So why is the NCAA the ones taking a hit? I mean, maybe they should have their nose a little deeper into everybody's business. I, I don't know. To me, I, I'm not a huge NCAA fan. I've never really been a huge NCAA fan. But I don't, I don't know what they're doing wrong in this situation to the point where everybody's blaming them because it's the coaches and the agents paying these players or offering to pay these players. It was the Adidas executives that were shelling out hundreds of thousands of dollars, trying to pay, trying to get money to these kids' parents and trying to direct them to which school they should go to and giving them free shoes and doing all this stuff. They know they're not supposed to be doing. And we've had this conversation before, Justin, you know, if you want to stop some of this stuff, 
start going to these agents and start I, I disbarring them or taking away their license, whatever it is that the that agents have to have to be able to do this stuff. Start going after the, some of these agents and and stop going after the people that really didn't have an idea of what's going on. Because a lot of times you do see it where a coach really just had no clue what was going on. All of a sudden this agent comes out and goes, oh, yeah, I gave this guy six ham sandwiches. and I didn't know sex parties were going on at that <laughs> university. I had no idea. <laughs> well, I, mean, I, I, I mean, some of the bigger scandals, I think the coaches are probably full of shit too, but – I mean, you, you hear it all the time, you know, where this player was getting paid, blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, it happens all the time. And, but if you really want to stop it, start going after some of these agents. Start going after these, I mean, go after more of these Adidas executives. I'm sure it happens with Nike and Under Armour and all the rest of them, too. But, you know, start digging into those people and stop looking into the universities as much. Because I, I think it does happen at the university level at some point, too. But I think it's more. I think it happens way more with the agents and some of the other executives. Well, you know, you brought up a point here. You know, if it's like a, like say Adidas reps or you know Nike, we'll just throw those out there. What can you do? What What do you do? I, I, I don't know those guys. I I don't know how you stop it. It's going to go on. And what I hate about this whole thing is. You know, there's some arguments out there. It's like, well, the players should be getting paid anyway. I, I hate using – I don't want something like this to be used as the reason to pay players because not all players are getting paid like this. It's, it is the star elite but guys. My, my, argument, to my argument to this has always been and will always be, aren't they already getting paid? Like really stop and think about it. Have you ever seen what a contract is that goes into a legal – uh, 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 scholarship offer. Oh yeah, it comes out to like three hundred thousand dollars for this four years. I mean, it, I understand they're not exactly seeing the money, but they're getting free education. They're getting books. They're getting food. They're getting clothing. They're getting shoes. I mean, they're getting a lot of crap, you know. And <clears throat> you know, I, I understand everyone's like, well, they put so many hours in and. The university's making so much money off them. I, I, I get it. Hey, look, Fiat, the company I work for, makes billions upon billions of dollars per quarter. And I get paid what I get paid, which is less than 1% of what they make. 1%? I'd take 1% of billions. I'd take 1%. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I get paid, hey. I get paid like .00001% of what they get paid. <laughs> you know, I mean, it happens at every company. This isn't just... At, at a university and you want to talk about how hard they work because they have to go to practice so many days a week and how much they have to do go talk to some of these law students and some of these doctor students that are out there med students out there who are spending 60 hours a week trying to study trying to that are on they're, they're on scholarship too but nobody's offering to pay them for their study and their time put in so why should athletes be any different why should they be more why should they be exempt and get paid I, I, that bothers me I don't, I don't think they should get paid at all well uh scott van gundy uh the detroit pistons head coach he he doesn't like the ncaa from some of his comments he's calling them corrupt and he's he's after the ncaa uh he doesn't like the the uh the critics of the nba one and done rule you know when he went so far out there to call it racist 
and because you're, you're not allowing people to go in directly to their profession outside of high school. And he, he does make a good point. No, it's a point that I never – well, he makes a point to where something that I never really considered at this level. You know, Sure, we have football rules. We have basketball rules from going directly in, you know, to the NBA uh, from high school or NFL, right? Uh, but he goes on to say, you know, we don't have the same rules for, uh, for hockey and for baseball because, you know, you can sign a, uh, a contract out of high school and go play in the minor leagues for a little while until you get called up. So I get it. But I think the difference is uh, baseball and hockey are not huge revenue-generating sports at universities. And for, for the fans, I think it's better – I don't want to see people, you know, go pro out of high school because I want that better talent in the colleges. Because I'm selfish like that, I'd rather see them uh, playing college make the sport better, whether it's football or basketball. Well, and, and, and look, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and try and claim to be some some basketball expert by any stretch of imagination, but there's only two guys that I can recall off the top of my head that went straight out of high school that were successful in the NBA. And that was LeBron James, who is very successful, and he's very good. I, I can hate him all I want, but he's he's damn good. He's and, done okay for himself. And, and Kobe Bryant. Those are the only two that I can remember that went straight out of high school that actually really succeeded in the NBA. I'm sure there are probably others. I'm sure there are probably some other guys that were probably role players that did just as well, but just weren't big-name stars. I don't know how many athletes per year were going straight from high school to NBA. I can't imagine the numbers that high with all these one and dones. I don't like the one and done rule. I, I I was never big on kids going to straight from high school to NBA either. But I, the one and done rule is just dumb to me because I think you're just ruining college basketball because you got so many teams like Kentucky who are bringing in all this talent that for one year and now you get these scandals coming out where they're offering them so much money to come to this school. And I understand that's probably happened for a lot longer and this one and done rules been going on. But and as far as uh, Van, Van Gundy's Van comments, Gundy. yeah, there you go. As far as his comments go, I think his comments were racist to be honest with you. So what are you saying? Black guys can't go play baseball or hockey. Point made, I guess. I mean, come but. on. His comments were ridiculous. They were they were over the top. Uh, it, it was just like a lot of America now. And I'm not. We don't need to get into it. But everyone wants to bring race into everything, and it's just it's getting overboard. Uh, I, I don't think anybody that was bringing up this one and done rules going, hey, we need to make all these black kids go to school for one year just to screw with them. Yeah, and I don't think that's a situation myself. Uh, I've never even, yeah. I, th- like, I this was never even a thought in my head until Stan Van Gundy wanted to say something, who I used to be a fan of. I kind of like Stan Van Gundy until some of the stuff he said. He also wants to say that it's all coming down on the coaches, and that's not fair. When you have coaches getting caught on wiretap, offering hundreds of thousand or $100,000 to get a player to come play for a school. I mean, really? Of course it's the co- coming down on the coaches because a lot of – they had four assistant coaches arrested back in – before the season started, because of this whole because of this whole scandal, yeah, 
And, and you want to sit here and say it's not on the coaches? I mean, come on, Van Gundy. Either pay attention to what's going on or keep your mouth shut and coach the Pistons to a losing record. <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, there's going to be a lot more discussion on this later. It's, it's going to get more interesting. But uh, just keep it moving along here. Uh, we got to get into something football-related, don't we? Ah, it's always fun to talk about football, ain't it? Uh, Bleacher Report, they uh, had an article this uh, week where they ranked the college football's 10 hardest schedules of 2018. And uh, in that list, uh, they had three. Uh, the, the top three teams, Michigan, Rutgers, and Nebraska. Nebraska, the toughest schedule out there. And this is a schedule that we had been talking about for two years. Uh, two years, we knew that the schedule this year was going to be tough. But I guess I never thought about it in terms of, you know, against the rest of the nation. And they went out and they did all the homework. And uh, they rated us as the number one uh, toughest schedule. If you, if you recall, I'll just interrupt you just for a second, sorry. If you recall, this was the one reason I thought about bringing Mike Riley back before last season started, I think, was just the schedule alone. Like We've known this daunting schedule has been coming. This isn't new news. Right. Now, some of the other guys' schedules that I read in this article, I probably didn't know what their schedule looked like. But Nebraska's schedule hasn't changed. I mean, this schedule's been set in stone for probably four or five years now. And we... We've been talking. I think we've been talking about 2018 getting here before we even started this podcast. I mean, we knew this was going to be a brutal schedule. What I thought was interesting on this list was there's uh, four teams in the top ten that will have uh, first-year new head coaches. Uh, Florida State came in at number nine with Willie Taggart. Uh, Texas A&M at number eight with Jimbo Fisher. Six UCLA with Chip Kelly, and then you know Scott Frost. So. These guys are going to new teams, and uh, they're not new head coaches, but they're new with their teams. So they're gonna they got Run some the gauntlet. That's it, right there. Hey, what what other way to take over a team than you know you know the the one good thing that every one of these coaches can say that are, they're the new coaches is I know coaches don't like to use schedules for an excuse, but you come into a daunting schedule like these four guys, you at least have somewhat of an excuse, like. You know, I'm, I'm trying to turn a program around, and we had the toughest schedule we've had in X amount of years. Yeah. So, I mean, you at least have an excuse. So, if you do end up going four and eight or six and six or whatever the case may be, you have at least somewhat of a legitimate buyout. You know, you're like, oh, I got a cop out here. That schedule sucked. Let me get my players in here. So, let me ask you, not, not that this uh, really – necessarily confirmed what we had talked about with our schedule, but the fact that it is the number one in their eyes overall, does that like taper your expectations or does it change your expectations for this coming year? What do you think? It doesn't change my expectations whatsoever. Just, and I think all that was just because I've just because I knew what the schedule was. I've known this schedule. Like I said, we've known the schedule for probably four or five years now. And we've talked about this schedule and so it doesn't change my expectations. And I still think there's probably at least seven games in there that you should win. And I think that I, with Frost, I believe he will win an extra game in there, if not two. But I'll stick with one, just say, 
Well, I, I, I really think Nebraska is a 7-8 win team this year. I think the talent's here. I know the schedule's brutal, but outside of those five games that are really brutal, with you know, with uh, going to Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa, Ohio State, and Northwestern, and you got Michigan State coming here. I, I think some of the, I, I think some of those games could be winnable, and I think I think Frost will do better than the previous staff. <laughs> That's not going to be hard. No, it won't. <laughs> I mean, uh, so. If Vegas were to set a line, I know we're probably a couple months out from, but probably three months out before they set a line. What do you expect Vegas to set the over under at right out the gate? Oh, you know, and I we I, I know we kind of had this discussion the other night. Uh, and, and if if they if Bovada actually did this, I might have to open up an account and be a betting man because I'm not a betting man. And anybody who knows me knows that I'm I've got enough bad habits to throw my money away on. I don't need to bet them. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I think I think probably the the best number to throw out would probably be like six and a half, honestly. Yeah. And if Bavada did that, I would probably have to bet the over pretty big on that because, like I said, I, th- I think we're a strong seven, possibly eight win team this year. But I think six and a half is pretty probably pretty good right out the gate. It's uh. We'll see here in the spring what kind of team this, uh, what we're going to look like. But I do expect improve. I do expect improvement across the board. I uh, did see Khalil Davis got a, had a thumb injury today. Is that going to lead to any future problems? I mean, you wouldn't think a thumb injury would hurt him for very long. Oh, but I had not heard that. No. Oh, you hadn't heard that? Yeah, that was on uh, Husker Max today. So. I don't know how serious it is. I can get a chance to really sit and read it as I was doing some research for the show today, but today. I'm sure tomorrow I'll sit and read it. Yep, hurt the thumb texting. <laughs> they don't push buttons anymore. They got touch screens. Oh, whatever. All right. <laughs> hey, uh, why don't you uh, give us a baseball update? Oh, you know, it turned out to be an okay weekend. I think we did about what we expected going two and two. We really got hammered by Oregon State. I mean, they're number two in the country. I don't think there's any shame in that. Uh, the bad news is we lost Jake McSteen to injury. He was pointing to his elbow after a pitch. That's usually not a good sign. You hope you don't lose him for a long period of time. But anytime you're pointing to your elbow, you have to assume he's out for at least a month, if not the rest of the season, somewhere in between there. And our it's losing Jake McSteen. I don't know if is the huge issue. It's the fact that we've already lost Lundsman and we lost Palkert. We've just lost so many pitchers this year. We're going to have to start relying on some freshmen, and that gets kind of scary. Uh, but we are 5-3 and three on the season, which is pretty good, I think, especially considering we're only uh, batting 216 as a team, which is not good really? at all. Yeah. Good Lord. But we have scored 37 runs, so we're scoring runs. Uh we're taking advantage of walks. We had 10 walks alone against Utah on Sunday, mm-hmm. which helped us win that game. And so we're taking advantage of that. Uh, we did win some ugly games against Utah, but like I said, we took advantage of some walks. Uh, Jackson Hallmark, or yeah, Hallmark out of Midland, Texas, he is really becoming the freshman that uh, Stephen Huff had talked about. He's batting 320 with five RBIs and seven starts. 
Uh, Mojo Haggy has been a little uh, slow to start this year. He's only batting 143. He's only got four hits. But out of those four hits, he's got four RBIs. And one of them came against uh, Utah on Friday, which gave us a lead in the top of the 10th inning. So I guess when he's getting hits, he's making them count. So that's a plus. But we we definitely still have a lot of work to do. We're striking out way too much, but at least we're getting walks and winning – most of our games that we should be winning. So so who do we have this weekend? Wichita State, the Shockers. There you go, the Shockers. So I should, that should be a pretty big series. Last I seen, they were ranked, uh, I think, I believe they were ranked in the top 25 too. If wow. not, they were getting quite a few votes in the top 25. I can't remember for sure, but it should be a tough series. They got a pretty good team down there. That'll be fun. Too bad it's not televised. <laughs> yeah. Well, Derek, it is time for last call. So last call to you, my friend. All right. This is for my good friend Dave at work. He's been bugging me about talking about women's basketball. So I did some research. It turns out they're pretty good this year. (laughs) Who would have thunk it? (laughs) Who would have thunk it? Amy Williams actually won the coach of the year, which is highly impressive, I thought. Uh, They're the number three seed in the Big Ten tournament. And... uh, they're playing on March second, and if Michigan can beat either the winner of the winner of Illinois or Penn State, they could be playing Michigan as well on March second. Wow! So I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, they're still they're they're not getting much love for the NCAA tournament either. So I guess Nebraska well, just doesn't belong in an NCAA tournament. I don't know. Well, I tell you what, I want to I want to give praise to Bill Moose because. Ever since Bill Moose took over, you know, the basketball programs, they've definitely shot up. They're not getting the respect based on years past, but Bill Moose got us in the right direction. Can he take credit? I don't know. I want to give it to him. He should. Yeah. All right, last call to me. Last. So my last call goes to Tiger Woods. Uh, he finished 12th at even par in the Honda Classic in Florida this weekend. And I got to say, it is so great to watch golf when Tiger's playing. Watching golf on TV is a lot better when Tiger plays. It really Absol- is. You're absolutely right. I, I, I don't know that I've really sat and watched too many golf tournaments on TV. But yeah. when I do, it's when I know Tiger's going to do good. I do like to watch the uh, some of the majors once in a while, especially the Masters. Sure. Uh, but, but when you know Tiger's doing well, it really makes a difference. And I he brings so much to this sport that, I mean, people just don't, well, I won't say you know, people don't give him the credit he deserves because he does to, he does to get a lot of credit. But <laughs> but when you do what he has done in his career, you hate to think that he's just going to end it on being a mediocre golfer. So uh, here's the Tiger, a little yeah, shot of whiskey, tiger. hoping oh, the best to you, Tiger. I hope you win some more. Absolutely. All right, well, that's going to do it for us tonight, Derek. It's been fun. You and Tyler have a good episode next week. I'll be listening. So, uh, yeah, I like that. All right. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuzcast on Twitter at Husker Cuzcast. Like us on Facebook. You can find all of our episodes on Podbean and on iTunes. Make sure you check out Husker Hype for all the latest in Husker news. On behalf of Derek, just you, man, we, we want to thank everybody for listening. So we'll see you again next week. Well, they will. Uh, and as always, go Big Red. <laughs> <laughs>